The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined as always by Pat Crane, Danny Carter, Kyle Dvorak as we get ready to preview the entire Week 7 slate. We're going to go in-depth on some of the week's biggest games, even though they're all bad this week. Except for you said that last week. Except for Sunday Night Football between the Steelers and Miami Dolphins. But we're going to talk about the Seahawks at the Chargers, the Ravens hosting the Browns. We'll touch on all the hot-button players of the week as usual. Maybe we'll put Crane on the spot for a stat of the week because I think we're doing that again, Pat. And, oh, wow. uh, okay. Oh, but okay. we didn't have a riffing topic, and I just said, so let's just talk about Russell Wilson. Um, Danny and I talked about Galaxy Brains. Um, there's always something to talk about this guy who is now saying he has Wolverine blood, as Denny points out, as he recovers right. from his hamstring injury. Uh, is, is that even good, though? Like, does Wolverine blood like let you complete three passes after halftime? Just, well, it's like, healing. Team, right. Right? It doesn't. You don't get any better than you were. You just return to what you were before. <laughs> okay, okay. So he's yeah, like healing <laughs> back to bad. So it's crane. more like it's more like he has lizard limbs in that most like lizards can lose their tail and get it back. But he is right. like like a small You're animal a unable to play football. Yeah, he's a lizard. He's a, he's prey. Yeah. He's not a predator. Crane. Uh, by the way, uh, Darty has no idea about any of this because instead of reading comic books and watching the X Men cartoon growing up. <laughs> He was reading, you know, uh, uh, all, baseball almanacs uh, yeah. from, from 1978. So I'm not even kidding. So it's uh, guys, uh, ERA is w- pretty good. When you say when you say <laughs> that uh, when you say that he's healing, Pat, he has no idea what he's talking about right now. Like like part of part of Wolverine's superpower is that he heals from literally anything. The only the Wolverine ex- has like what is it called? The metal that's in his bones, adamantium. Adamantium, it's indestructible metal. So that makes him a very powerful weapon. But he's it's just metal inside him, and his power is being able to heal after the metal shoots out. That's it. Right. Well, interesting. The only X-Men property I've ever seen, I think it had one of those like really like tortured titles, like X-Men Origins, Wolverine, or something. And he goes to like Australia and like kills a bunch of people or something. Okay, so you've seen that one for sure. I've seen that one where he's like on a motorcycle, then yeah, like he does that, yeah. He Uh like stabs someone with his claw or something. Yeah, no, you've did you just no, it came it? free with uh, baseball almanac that year? <laughs> no, it's, it's weird. I think I was not allowed to watch the X Men cartoon or something when I was like five, and then my brother and I has moved on from morning cartoons to watching The Simpsons at like oh, age okay. seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we watched like the hip shows, you know, like Animaniacs, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, the hipster shows. Listen, uh, X Men was a little risque 
a little bit, you know, um, there, there was a fair amount of violence. Uh, there was some suggestive, uh, suggestive nature with the women in that show. I'm just saying that just, it was, it was a little, a little, a little bit much for the parents of the night. I just remembered, I, I swear to God, I'm actually not making this up. It was not that we were not allowed to watch it. I was conflating a memory I had. I had a kid come over to my house in like second grade and like all he wanted to do was watch X-Men because his parents would not allow him to watch X-Men. So he like went in my basement and like still hang out with me. It was just like parked in front of the TV watching X-Men. I'm like maybe we guys want to hang out actually maybe. No, that's good. You, everyone needs that friend that lets you play like play, you know, rated T for teen video games, oh, yeah. watch like the late night type of comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. You were that friend. And although it didn't make you feel good, you offered a lot of utility to the team. Yeah, we didn't have cable either, though. So he was lucky that X Men was over the air back then, and we are lucky that uh, football's over the air. We are lucky to say that this game was was good that we're starting with, but it's not at all. Um, (laughs) Fall is the season of renewal in Dallas, where the touchdown home favorite Cowboys get back Dak Prescott as the Lions come off by and welcome back DeAndre Swift and a healthier Amon Rice St. Brown, a wide receiver crane. It's time I'm putting on the cover of his column this week, but we're not talking to Pet. We're talking to Denny. We'll we'll get to the Lions in a minute, but we will begin with the Cowboys and their quarterback situation, Denny. Can a team having this much success with his running game and defense actually return to a more pass-heavy approach? Are we going to be disappointed by Dak Prescott? Absolutely. Yes. It's a great, you know, it's a great question. Yes, you are going to be disappointed by Dak Prescott and pretty much everything in this game, I think. Uh, There's just no way in my mind, and, and I have I have a galaxy brain, okay? We do the show Galaxy Brains. I've tried to reach to the outer limits of my mind and and see if, is there a scenario where Dak Prescott goes wild here against the Lions? I, I don't see it. The Lions are the ninth most extreme run funnel defense. Each of their past three opponents had a, a negative pass rate over expected. Uh, Detroit is being run on by everybody. They're allowing the second highest EPA per rush this season. The University uh, of Illinois just ran for 233 yards in them last weekend. Uh, so. who, who would say that that couldn't happen is what, is, is what I would say. And I, I think the Cowboys are going to establish early and often. This is an uncreative, uh, uninspired Dallas offense. Very predictable. They're going to make this game closer than it needs to be. I mean, you know, who's to say that they're that they're even going to win this game? That that that's that's what I would say. Wow. Uh, no, uh, listen, <laughs> they're going to be the same team with Dak Prescott as they were with Cooper Rush because they're not going to use Dak Prescott the way they should. That's my opinion. I, I, can I give a little more optimism for this? <laughs> I don't actually disagree with Denny's layout of the game in general, but I do think there's a big difference between Dak Prescott, assuming his thumb is is healthy enough compared to Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush ranks 23rd in EPA per play. He's 34th in completion percentage over expected. He's been super inaccurate. Only Justin Fields and Baker Mayfield have been less accurate. So yes, I think they'll go run first. I think the the Lions could struggle. The Cowboys are also a run funnel. We're going to see a lot of short passing from the Lions. It might be kind of a a sloggy type of game, but that accuracy I think is a very big deal for CD Lamb, for Michael Gallup. So you know, compared to what we've been dealing with, I think it could still be an improvement. That's true. I, I will say that Cooper Rush has been uh, quietly terrible. <laughs> he has, yeah. I mean, he got celebrated for the QB win losses, but uh, not good at all. But I unfortunately agree with Denny's point. I, I think they're going to basically treat Dak Prescott like he's Cooper Rush. Since he is Dak Prescott, he will produce much better stats. But I don't really like see a sea change coming to the approach at all. I mean, they did this for most – 
whenever they could do this last year, they also right. did this. Because uh, you know, week one, remember, we got like 68 attempts against the Bucks, And we're like, finally, they're yeah. going to be run like a real offense. And then it was 24 attempts every week after that. Yeah. And yeah. That is Mike McCarthy's spirit animal. Uh, Kyle Crane mentioned some of the other Cowboys pass catchers, but is there a Cowboys pass catcher to care about this week? Not named CD lamb. Like if Dalton Schultz plays Dalton Schultz is always really compiled with Dak Prescott. Is Michael Gallup climbing the rankings at all, or is it really just kind of CD and wait? Yeah. I kind of like this game from a Dallas passing attack perspective, because I do think philosophically, they don't care that much if they're throwing the football Maybe they won't throw the football that much. The good news is you shouldn't have to throw the ball that much against the Lions to actually have a productive passing attack, even if it's 32, 33 attempts and they win the game somewhat easily. The Lions are God. I mean, they're terrible in every facet of defensive football you can imagine. They are 32nd in the NFL in EPA per dropback allowed, and they're 31st in EPA per rush attempt allowed. Teams run on them because they're typically beating them, but when they do pass, they bury the Lions. They bury the Lions however they want. And Michael Gallup, he's looked pretty strong since coming back. He's got a 19% target share and a 27% air yard share among all players. It's top 40 weighted opportunity rating. And that's with a quarterback who I would imagine, you know, Cooper Rush's skill set for Michael Gallup being the boundary field stretcher probably doesn't match up with him that well because he's a backup quarterback and not even a great one at that. So I think once you get Dak Prescott back in the lineup, we should see Michael Gallup's numbers increase. And they were already at least acceptable with Cooper Rush on our center in terms of his usage. So I'd actually be like, I don't know if you need to play him in your flex this week, but maybe it's more of like a DFS or like, I don't know, good teams run by this week. Maybe you are flexing him. Yeah, you know what? You are flexing him. I'm going to be more confident. All right. Hell yeah. Wow. Somebody had confidence on the podcast. That's a big step. It's the first us. time this year, I believe. Yeah, I know. We love to. Yeah. Kyle, do you log your confidence in a spreadsheet? <laughs> <laughs> confidence just, points over expected. Is that what CPOE said? Confidence on? points over expected are through the roof for Kyle right now. So we just got like the big picture for the Cowboys, Denny. The big picture for the Lions is they got shut out by the New England Patriots before their bye. Uh, they've had a lot of injury issues. It's like the Lions party over, even as they get back. Uh, DeAndre Swift this week, hopefully. They get back Amon Ross St. Brown to better health. He played against the Patriots, but was nowhere close to healthy. Right. Like, can we still be excited about this team, or is this just going to be a nightmare against Micah Parsons and the Cowboys? Yeah, well, you forced me to watch that Patriots-Lions game, so uh, I, I can report back that Amon Ross St. Brown was not at full health, and in fact, he was under 70% route participation in that game. And that's I'm shocked. Almost, we caught almost a near-fatal case of zappy fever. Um, when, when when you said the score of that game, I was like, oh, Amon Ross must have not played. I was actually confident, having obviously Denny being the one who watched it, I was confident he didn't play. I was like, oh. <laughs> You did play. Uh, so, Denny, I mean, are they yeah. the Lions lioning or so, are they going to keep overachieving? So, no, I, I think St. Brown and DeAndre Swift being being back and hopefully to full health is huge for, for this team. They, they really just are not the same without those two. Um, the Lions uh, have gotten by on play volume through much of this season. We've seen that over and over. Both Dallas and Detroit are top five in offensive, offensive snaps allowed per game. So, I think – there's a possibility we could see that unfold here if the Cowboys are not in position to completely take the air out of the ball. We're hoping and praying that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, obviously the Cowboys pass rush could be a problem uh, against anybody, but uh, for a Lions offensive line graded by pro football focus as the league's fourth worst pass blocking unit, I think this is what the kids are calling a mismatch. So uh, uh, I, I think we are going to see, Crane said a second ago, lots of, of short passes, lots of dump offs, 
uh, quick hitting stuff. That's probably all Amon Ross St. Brown. Lord willing. And yeah, DJ Shark still not practicing. Josh Reynolds still not practicing. Not that they're competing for targets with Amon Ross St. Brown. They basically play like a different position. That's another concern for the Lions is they're not going to really have like that, that boundary presence that – so that could like condense the field even further, which just could be a problem. Um, but, but I want to thank the doctors and nurses at Baltimore General, by the way, for saving Denny's life from zappy fever. Um, it was almost, <laughs> it was com- almost comparing bad. him to Chad Pennington. We almost lost it. Yeah, <laughs> we were we were really, really worried. So thank you so much to them. Uh, we're going to stick with Denny Carter here. Uh, 11 point road favorites, Denny. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are searching for meaning in life as the Panthers are searching for a single good football player not named Christian McCaffrey, what is going on in this game? Uh, Panthers uh, are maybe the most down bad franchise in all of sports, like across the entire world. The Panthers had 15 air <laughs> yards in week six against the Rams. 15. Hold on. What? Are you serious? Yeah, 15. That's, a real, that's a real stat? <laughs> it's, I think uh, it depends on where you track it. Too, yeah, it depends on where I, you look. Rotovis has like, an... It's a negative yeah. dot. Uh, like PFF sometimes will track, uh, you know, uh, uh, penalties for plays because that was like an intention of the team, although the play doesn't count. So they probably gave him positive air yards where like next gen stats gave him and like, uh, you know, NFL stat R gave him the first game since 2006 with a quarterback to have negative air yards. <laughs> right. Negative. Negative. That is like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, that he is had a low uh, zero. Right. It is. <laughs> it Wait, literally is. <laughs> My interns have confirmed that. Uh, P.J. Walker, who is, uh, I believe, expected to start again somehow, had a uh, 3.75 adjusted yards per attempt against the Rams. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I I just, I don't know. I mean, obviously you have to play CMC. But that besides that, like you don't have to play D.J. Moore, even with Robbie Anderson. You probably shouldn't. You actually shouldn't shouldn't play D.J. Moore. Even so. CMC, obviously, you're never been the Bucks allow the fewest yeah. running back fantasy points. <laughs> like no, it's no, it, it's bad. ugly. It's ugly for McCaffrey. I think the negative A dot though is like exactly what you want for it's CMC. To McCaffrey, he, he had a thirty eight percent target share <laughs> last. That that tied his career high, thirty eight percent. So I mean, you know, they're getting the ball to McCaffrey at this point. Like, I don't care anymore about anyone but McCaffrey. Just no, keep right. McCaffrey going. Right. Yeah, it's not a bit from a, you. Like, actually, can't play DJ Moore. Correct. You, you like can't. To yeah, I mean, you can't even play LaVisca Chenault in this game. No, honestly. I know. Uh, Dang, which which Bucks can we <laughs> two, uh, two quick, Two quick notes on the Bucs. Uh, I know Godwin was a little disappointing last week. I mean, not not really. He had over 90 yards on like six catches. So I don't know why folks are uh, seem to be down on him. But uh, he leads the Bucks in yards per route run um, last week and uh, was 10th last week in wide receiver expected fantasy points. And I think we, you know, we could see with the Bucks being, I'm sorry, the Bucks being massive favorites here, 10 and a half point favorites as of, as of this recording, uh, we could maybe see some more Rashad White, uh, maybe getting some run in a blowout script. He has 33% of the team's snaps and 13% of the team's opportunities. That means targets plus carries over the past three games. Uh, could we get a little, a little more run for white on a, on a bye week you know, and if you're in bye week hell and I, I am in a couple leagues, you, you know, you throw in white as a flex, maybe. Well, Denny Rashad white's been your RB one since week one in every <laughs> league though. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are saying Rashad white may get some run and close out mode this week. And yet it's hopefully this Tom Brady finds what he's looking for in this game. Cause he didn't find it last <laughs> no, week. He, he was, very upset 
And he seemed a little happier in his press conference this week. He vowed to finish the season, so that was good. <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah, I hear that's it. good. That, that was really good, I thought. Was anyone talking about him not? That's <laughs> concerning. <laughs> Apparently our, our friend Chris Sims was, and that was a broach. To, Chris wasn't like passing along a report or anything like that. So Ooh. not to misattribute something to Chris Sims, but he was like talking about it. And someone asked Tom Brady about it, like, hey, some people are wondering like if you're even going to finish the season. I wouldn't. This looks like a miserable experience. <laughs> Yeah, it does. And Tom, uh, yeah, you need to just yell harder at your offensive line this week. I think Tom. more, more F bombs. Yeah. More, more, F-bombs. break more of those tablets. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis Colts. Welcome back. Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines as they visit Tennessee as two and a half point underdogs, Kyle. The question is, was last week's pass heavy approach a one-off for the Colts? And is it just back to ground and pound with Jonathan Taylor this week? I would think so. I mean, we've seen Matt Ryan consistently be horrific up until last week. But the one thing that I think almost certainly has to stay, especially if the Colts want to be successful, I think this recipe makes sense, is last week they gave they gave Matt Ryan essentially the Ben Roethlisberger treatment. The first time they played the Jags, they got shut out. Matt Ryan had a 10.5 ADOT and nearly three seconds time to throw. 195 yards, three interceptions. No, no surprise there. He just doesn't have the arm for it anymore. Last week, 5.7 ADOT, nearly half, and a 2.37 time to throw. He was getting the ball out quickly to Deion Jackson, to Michael Pittman, and it worked. 389 yards, three touchdowns. It was a genuinely good game for him. He looked Drew Brees in a good way-esque, and, you know, sort of you lump in, like, late career Ben Rosberger, but those offenses worked far better than if they were forcing their respective quarterbacks to throw deep, deep downfield. Cause none of these guys, Matt Ryan included have the juice at 36, seven, eight years old. It's just not in their repertoire he's, anymore. He's 48, 48, Matt Ryan. That, you know what? That makes sense. Now I was thinking when I said 30, I was like, that might be a decade off. Graduated so, Boston college in 1992. I think he a year before they beat Notre Dame. He was the cover young, of Madden. Oh, yeah. one. He's, uh, he's younger Worked than me. Bush he's younger than me. <laughs> so Sorry, I mean no. we have no it's fine. We see, you know, Frank Wright consistently when he has bad quarterbacks, he leans on his running backs. That's what he's done throughout his career as a as a head coach. And I he still, I believe, has probably a bad quarterback. But I do think he's found a recipe to make that work to the best of its ability. I still think you're starting John Taylor as like a top two or three running back, given the state of CMC's offense, like it may be that he could still be like, you know, the second running back in the NFL in terms of fantasy points. But now they have a recipe to make the passing game work. On the other side, it's like the most boring game I can possibly imagine. Robert Woods is averaging like 1.7 yards per route run, 7.3 yards per target. He's going to be their top receiver. And that's not, I mean, it's it's fine for him. Maybe he has some flex value, but it's bad for the offense. Robert Woods cannot be your top receiver. So it's Derrick Henry. If you're down bad, if you're in the Rashad White tier, Dontrell Hilliard ran her out in 54, 54% of Ryan Tannehill dropbacks in week five. He's been targeted on 33% of his routes. He's like a legit good passing down back, I think at least, at least based on an early start to the year. So he's in that Rashad White. If you're desperate, I, I could get on board with it. I, I feel like I'm a little less optimistic about the Colts because I think so much of it was just volume last week. He had 58 dropbacks last week. Uh, Paris Campbell last week had 0.98 yards per out run. Still stinks. Uh, Alec Pierce was a little bit better, but you know, I think he's going to be kind of a deep threat. Like, yeah, he's sem- he's semi interesting to me, but yeah, I don't know. It just feels like if there's not a ton of volume, there wasn't actually all that much efficiency on the route. I mean, so yeah, there, I mean, they fragile. ran a lot of routes, but Ryan was six and drop back EPA. Like this is how you make him work. And I mean, that's like, that's not just like acceptable that was really good and i do think like it will get lost in the receiver routes when all of them are trying to split this 
five yards, three yards of yak, get tackled type of production. But in PPR leagues, that'll still get the job done. And it's how this team has to work. Like, you think think Matt Ryan wasn't impressive last week? You should have seen him every other week of the season. (laughs) Yeah, but he won't have 58 dropbacks every week. All I'll say, the keep hope, keeping hope alive this week is the Titans have a really, really bad pass defense. They do. Like, really bad. One of the worst in the league. And rational coaching, you would like to think that, hey, that worked last. That kind of sparked what had been an unwatchable offense that aligns with this team's defensive weaknesses this week. But we cannot assume that since Jonathan Taylor is back. Yeah, Frank Reich is going to want to get him his carries. Right. I mean, two things about the way the Colts played. They played uh, more quickly. Lots of hurry up, especially in the first half. And Ryan got the ball out much more quickly than he had the previous five weeks. If that continues, I think even though I agree with Crane, you know, Paris Campbell's probably not good, but he could fall into a bunch of targets again as an underneath underneath target. Yeah, I, I don't know if I dig too deep to the Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce, especially with Pierce's skill set not necessarily matching up with what we think should be successful. But this made me yeah. feel good about Michael Pittman, the fact that, like, oh, he's not just going to be like, hope right. to God Matt Ryan can throw me a decent 50-50 ball. Now they actually have ways to make him work. But I kind of agree with Crane that, like, they, they philosophically want to run the football. So it's better, but good might be a stretch. <laughs> One thing that's interesting on Pierce is I was, I was digging into some first read data this week. He's been uh, – so he's seen a first read target on 19% of his routes this season, which is actually pretty high. And Pittman's only at 15%. So when he's out there, they do seem to be looking for him. So like it actually is a pretty intelligent design. If like when Pierce is running routes, you you know, the first read is to see if you can hit him deep. Because the only other right? thing you can do is yeah. The only thing they can do is throw short otherwise, including to Pittman, who has a much more shallow eight out this year than than previously. So that that makes me a little more interested in Pierce, also a little less interested in Pittman if maybe like maybe Pierce is going to get more of kind of like a one A one B treatment as he as he eventually runs a full slate of routes. He's not there yet, but I don't know. Things are kind of bubbling underneath the surface for Pierce, in my opinion. Whatever the reasons were, Michael Pittman's sixteen targets in Week Six were the fifth most by any wide receiver all season. By the way, so That'll hopefully. Work. And by the way, Crane, intelligent design. We don't get political in here, okay? Uh, <laughs> We don't get political on here. <laughs> Limping along at three and three, the Cincinnati Bengals will be attempting to exceed 500 for the first time all season as they host the Atlanta Falcons, the six point home favorites. Crane, Cincinnati has the stars. Well, I mean, Atlanta does too. They just don't use them. But the Falcons is where the intrigue is in this game. They're getting by with committees, both in the running game and receiver core. Very open in question, but like, which Falcons can we even be excited about at this point? So I guess. This my whole case here depends on uh, the Bengals side. So hopefully, uh, Danny, who you're going to throw to the Bengals, agrees with me that the Bengals <laughs> might press the Falcons. But I'm actually kind of excited about like all the Falcons this week. I feel like if you're if you're in the Falcons starting business, like this is kind of your week. <laughs> Tyler Algier business has not been booming. Business has not been good, but hey, if you're if you're still if you're still open somehow, <laughs> I would be starting them this week. I mean. Tyler Algiers, he has a 59% snap share over the last two weeks. He's playing 70% of the third down snaps, so he's insulated from game script. In fact, I think he's in better shape if they get pushed to the pass because it probably means less Huntley, more him. Maybe he happens to be on the field you know, when they are running the ball a little bit more, and he gets more of a, of a carry advantage over Huntley, only a four-carry advantage over Huntley over the last couple weeks. Uh, Pitts was at an 82% route rate last week. That's pretty good. Drake London was at 100%. 
London has an elite 2.23 yards per outrun. He's actually been inefficient on his targets. So if anything, he should be due for positive regression on a per-target basis. We just need more targets. He's got a ton of upside if they throw more. Uh, Pitts has been terrible on his targets. His expected yards per outrun, though, is 2.38, which is an elite mark for any player, not just a tight end, but obviously very elite for a tight end. He has a 13.6 ADOT. So he's the type of guy who's got big play upside on any given target, even if the volume here isn't isn't all that high. And I do think it could be somewhat high again if the Bengals push. So, I mean, yeah, like probably two of these three guys are going to absolutely crush us this week, but that that would be less than the normal percentage of three of three. So (laughs) I think you're starting your Falcons. Uh, I just can't with these Falcons, even in the times they give up points, like, which is what we need, right? When they, when they don't give up points, they win, but they run the football. They gave up the most points of the year for them against the Rams. 171 passing yards and then the other two most points they've given up 217 and 205 like they're just philosophically bad and then when they try and pass it doesn't matter i like i can't be hurt again crane please <laughs> oh no i'm i'm with i'm with crane here uh listen look the Bengals. They, they i think they're figuring it out it always takes zach taylor about half a season to to figure out that his offense should to not be learn the same lesson to, to, from to read the Jamar Chase manual. It says here, the guy is the number four pick. Oh, it, it, says, <laughs> it says here that the guy's elite in every respect. Uh, he's the guy uh, from Memento. That, yeah, so so he's done. So they've been doing this thing where they're they're centering. They've centered their offense around Joe Mixon, one of the least efficient running backs in the NFL. Truly horrific advanced metrics this year for Joe. Mixon. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, re- really, like he's been he's been awful, awful by every measure. Okay, but we're centering our offense around that. But last week it was different. Ninety six percent shotgun formation usage for the Bengals last week. That's that's fantastic for for this offense. They were their pass rate over expected was twenty. They were twenty one percent over their their expected pass rate. Uh, that's I'm I am you know trying not to pee my pants right now just talking about it uh, <laughs> oh. and i don't know i'll tell you if i'm successful it's incontinence um, <laughs> season folks <laughs> oh, no he wasn't <laughs> i mean but just a little it's just a little anyway uh yeah so this is this is good this is good for for the whole Bengals offense obviously for chase obviously for higgins uh higgins saw 10 10 targets last week partly because of the massive play volume and massive drop back volume for for burrow um, but if they keep this up, I I think that you know Chase becomes less volatile. I think Higgins becomes way more interesting. Even Tyler Boyd could be serviceable in a nah, situation. Jeez, man, you scared the crap out of me. What's actually startling? There's <laughs> oh <my laughs> <laughs> apologies to the listeners for that. Yeah. <laughs> on the road. I thought oh, I almost fell out of my chair. Oh, well, I think right. what really happened is involved. Uh, you a second ago said you were having trouble holding something, Denny, yeah. and I think I just scared you enough that maybe now it's now it's definitely yeah. happening. Yeah. Uh, uh, one right. more one more note on Chase. Uh, over the last two weeks, he's run a third of his routes from the slot. That's good. Uh, moves him around the uh, lot, the formation a little bit. He and he he's been successful um, as a slot receiver. We saw that last week against the Saints. So let's keep going with this, Zach Taylor. And you go, Crane. No, close, just a couple notes on the two out. things. That, that Denny mentioned there that I just want to underline the 21% pass rate of expected that we got from the Bengals last year, highest of any team all season this year, super, super wow. high, really exciting. The Kevin Cole noted that the two snaps where they weren't in shotgun last year, last week, excuse me, last week, yeah. were a quarterback sneak and a kneel down. 
Oh, really? Yeah, they they straight up operated exclusively out of the shotgun. Wow, that is interesting. I got to watch the game sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just listen to Kevin. He's, he's doing. Oh, of okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Zach Taylor, uh, I think we'll accept the challenge to then immediately not do that. This oh, stop. Yeah, I know. But He's gonna hurt us bad. We're gonna take a break so Denny can go to the bathroom. We'll be right back after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. It's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Steelers and Dolphins in our Sunday Night 7 contest. With both teams in dire straits, Patrick Corrine, the Green Bay Packers visit the quarterback-changing Washington Commanders as five-and-a-half-point road favorites. A truly dismal 41 total. What do we need to know about this game? Not the lowest total of the week, by the way. Yeah, you did You did mention the games this week aren't ideal. Uh, this is one of those pretty rough games. We've got Taylor Heineke here. Uh, kind of got excited. Maybe we get some Sam Howell in our lives. No, it's Taylor Heineke back in our lives. As a reminder from, uh, you know, if you wiped your, your memories of last year, Heineke ranks eighth in deep ball rate uh, in 2021. He ranked just 34th in his rate of short passes. So obviously Heineke, you know, attempting a lot of deep passes, that's his strength, except no, it's not his strength. He's terrible at throwing deep. He ranks 33rd in adjusted completion percentage on deep throws. So when you do something a lot and you're bad at doing it, that generally isn't good for an offense. So, you know, are we going to get targets for Terry McLaurin? We'll probably get targets, but only Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Jared Goff, and Tyler Huntley were worse at throwing the deep ball in terms of adjusting completion percentage last year. So not expecting a ton of production, even if we do get targets for Terry McLaurin. Pat, real quick before we move on McLaurin, is Taylor Heineke is like lab created to get wide receiver 23 finishes for Terry McLaurin. <laughs> he will get you wide, not higher, not lower. He yep. will get you wide receiver 23 with Terry McLaurin. Well, lower when he gets him hurt. You know, which <laughs> That's a good point. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, 
they went super run heavy the commanders last year as they got sick of watching taylor Heineke like the rest of us from weeks 11 through 18 they had a minus six percent pass rate of expected that's currently what the 49ers and the titans have i think we're going to see plenty of the run game here but brian robinson only played 48 percent of the snaps last week so it's like a little bit hard to trust that he is going to get enough work to really pay off the the packers are pretty bad against the run so he's gonna say the packers like, are very very bad against the run yeah the only thing i'll say for the next two games they ran him on on first and second and eight plus 70 percent of the time this is like intentionally designed to tank the offense these games these next two games i don't want to add a lot to make time but like man they are designing intentionally a terrible offense in washington oh. and it's not getting better That's so fresh well you want to you want to hear about a terribly designed offense? Let's talk the Packers. Okay, they <laughs> ranked twenty eighth in situation neutral pace. This is an offense designed to lose to Daniel Jones, to Zach Wilson, and maybe just maybe to Taylor oh, Heineke. Oh, the man. Commanders are the slowest team in the league. They're actually they're thirty second in situation neutral pace. The Packers, who I complain about constantly being slow, they're only twenty eighth. So again, we're gonna have the Commanders shift to the run here, throw a bunch of inefficient deep balls, punt a lot, and then the the Packers are going to be playing slow on the other side. So there's just not going to be much volume in this game. Packers love getting into slogs with inferior opponents and then blowing it. That's probably what they're going to do here. Maybe they won't blow it. Romeo Dobbs, by the way, as we are looking at guys that we can maybe play in this game, he, I mentioned last week he was having trouble earning targets. A lot of his targets coming on screen passes. Last week, it got even worse for him because he was double teamed on 16 routes. That tied DK Metcalf and Mike Evans for the highest of the week. More than what? doubled... Yeah, more than doubled his double teams for the season. The Jets were like, you're not beating us with Romeo Dobbs. That was very good for Alan Lazard. But, like, he was already having trouble earning targets, and now teams are deciding, you know, he's their number one guy. Sammy Watkins might be back, which could be a problem for Dobbs's routes. I don't think we're, you know, you're not playing Watkins, but we don't need someone coming in and stealing outside routes from Dobbs, which very, very well could happen. So he all of a sudden looks like super, super risky. It also adds some risk to Lazard in case the Packers view Dobbs as the number one guy now. Um, and Lazard comes off the field for Watkins. But I guess like the only guy in really this whole game that I would actually be like semi-excited to play is Aaron Jones, but he's coming off a season low in snaps. Uh, he ranks just running back 36 in yards per outrun. He's not getting involved as a receiver nearly at all like we thought he might. No, He's been an efficient rusher this season, but he's like a boom bust, like long, you're hoping for a long run type of, you know, RB2 play. My God, what a, what a horrible game. Does anyone have a take on Curtis Samuel? Like, is the party over? Was that like solely a Carson Wentz thing? Okay. I think it is over. I think that there was, there was chemistry between the two. I think that Wentz looked to him way more than Heineke will look to him. Also, like Crane just said, like Heineke, like lets it rip downfield. And I don't think Curtis Samuel is going to be on the receiving end of many of those. Logan Thomas trending towards out. John Bates trending toward out. I'm just assuming you DFS sickos are all in on Cole Turner, correct? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> then we have Kate Otten this week. We have we have other punt plays. There's, oh, a, yeah. lot, there's a lot of punts. There's a lot of yeah. punt plays this week. Um, but I, I'm, it'll be Cole Turner by Sunday if I know you guys. Um, yeah, it will. Moving on. The New York Giants are 5-1. and one, Yet they find themselves as three-point underdogs in Jacksonville, Florida. Just absolutely stunning at CD thir- at CD Carter thirteen. Um, how can this be? And what do we need to know about this game? This is disrespect, and I think that this feeds into the giant uh, the way the Giants want to view themselves as like scrappy underdogs. That's why every time the camera pans to Brian Dable, he's running around screaming, 
uh, you know, sweating profusely. He's, He's fixing gonna... a Honda Accord on the sideline. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he just thumbs up. <laughs> changing, changing tires. Yeah. And, no, no, he was swapping out the entire engine. He's pretty talented. <laughs> the engine block. You're right. Yeah, uh, and and they love it. You know what they say? You know, make us dogs against the down bad Jag- the Jaguars. They stink. Okay, they're they're really truly terrible. It got off to an okay start, but uh, the Jaguars are twentieth in EPA per play over the past three games. Trevor Lawrence has the league's third worst completion rate over expected in that stretch after a good start. Again, I think I tweeted about it after week two. I was like, oh, he he may, he may have figured it out, but no, no, he has not. I still think there must be something wrong with him physically because he he throw these he throws these floaters all, all the time to and they have no chance of being completed especially near the sideline. Um, the Jags have reverted to a hyper conservative run first attack with negative pass rate over expected uh, negative pass rate over just always rolling right off the top. <laughs> it's just so easy to say so can we easy. get some acronyms and for this something, something about these computer science majors yeah. haven't made pretty sounding acronyms yet. <laughs> i need the nerds to come up with something easier than come that but anyway it's been under expected pass rate the last three games and that's that's been terrible obviously for christian kirk for everybody in the passing game christian kirk is still running basically all the routes uh, but with this new for, uh, run first approach his routes have been under 30 in two of the past three games. For context, mm. uh, Kirk ran 42 routes in week one when he had that really solid game against Washington. So I, I I don't really know like who you're excited about in the Jags offense, except for maybe like Travis Etienne as he slowly but surely takes over the lead back role, hopefully from James Robinson. It, it remains to be seen if Etienne's going to see the green zone work uh, and the stuff that really counts but I, I do I do like him this week. And then on the Giants side of the ball, uh, Daniel Jones, you know, you could do worse uh, than Daniel Jones this week. Uh, he's he's fifth among all quarterbacks with 26 rushing attempts. Uh, that works out to about 4.3 per game. Uh, over the past three games, no quarterback has a higher EPA per dropback than Daniel Jones, which is quite, quite stunning to me. Um, and uh, strong overall EPA numbers for the Jags defense, but over the past three weeks, they've been much worse than they were in the first three weeks. So let's uh, let's get those Giants in your lineups. By that, by that I mean Saquon, maybe Daniel Jones, and maybe Wondell Robinson. The, the frustrating thing with this Etienne breakout is that last week he played 47% of snaps and James Robinson played 44%. There's, There's some, some missing snaps there. there. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Those missing snaps are Jermichael Hasties, who played 16% of the snaps. This, like, isn't this exactly what Urban Meyer would do? It is, actually. <laughs> Urban is, what, Doug Peterson's is an Urban puppet. Yeah, <laughs> Urban has been coaching through Doug walkie. Peterson those whole time. <laughs> Doug keeps going to a walkie-talkie. Uh, yeah, remember we talked about uh, how specters loom? Well, the, 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 the specter of Urban Meyer is looming over this team. Ever-present looming of Urban Meyer. Uh, yeah, Jermichael Hastings can, can maybe oh, cut those touches out. Yeah, please do. I did want to just get the definitive answer on this Trevor Lawrence arm strength question. Stronger arm, Trevor Lawrence or Bailey Zappi? Oh, I, I hate you have to go Lawrence. I mean, ba- Bailey oh, Zappi has... <laughs> he has the weakest arm of any quarterback in NFL history, probably. Okay, okay. I, I honestly thought you might go Zappi. No, 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 no. Z- Zappi, it's actually kind of funny. I mean, he he throws like 
he he has to let the ball go like four seconds before the guy makes the <laughs> makes the the break in his route because it's like whoop, you know real like just a lollipop. That's like 2012 to 2015 Peyton Manning though, so he's oh, in yeah. good company. And say what you will about Bill Belichick, uh, for everything that's been going wrong with his team building the past years, he's still like pull. I mean, we were talking about mechanics earlier. He like just finds a mechanic and Bailey Zappi like, uh, can you lead the offense this week? <laughs> 338 yards like he should yeah, I don't Detroit understand Lions how that happened I mean you gotta hand it to Zappy like yeah. like he 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 can get by he can throw for over 300 yards against an NFL defense with that arm that's incredible guys we talk about props ever we don't really talk about props much in the show what, what are what are the odds right now it's not a prop what are the odds right now on Matt Patricia assistant coach of the year New England Patriots offensive coordinator Matt Patricia oh. <laughs> no one even wants to laugh at that as a joke. Just, <laughs> it just made me sad. Yeah, made yeah. Everyone I, very sad. I can't even. But once Mac Jones is back in the lineup, it becomes <laughs> difficult again. He threw like two touchdowns, five interceptions. If Zappy, if he convinced Bell, Bill Belichick to put Zappy in the lineup for the rest of the year, it's minus five thousand. I didn't mean to make everyone sad by mentioning <laughs> Matt Patricia. But time to move on. Prone to baffling inscrutability, the Chargers and the Seahawks square off in Los Angeles with the Bolts checking in a six-and-a-half-point favorites, Kyle. We'll get to the Chargers and their returning star, Keenan Allen, in a minute, but I want to begin with the Seahawks. Regino Smith finally had a disappointing start in week six. Sorry if I sound too excited when I say finally. Uh, was it a blip <laughs> or the beginning of the inevitable regression to the Geno mean, Kyle? Actually, I mean – I don't know exactly at this point what the Gino mean is, uh, the Mino as we call it in the business, but I <laughs> don't laugh at that. That was not funny. Uh, but I do think last week set up to be a pretty predictably poor performance from him. Gino leads the NFL in completion rate and yards per attempt for, versus man coverage. The Cardinals have just stopped playing man. It was already obvious going into that game that they were playing almost no man. And now he gets a, a Chargers team that is top 10 in man coverage. And they're hilariously still trotting out J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson ranks like third in the bat. Well, in the good way for offenses facing him, third in yards per catch allowed and second in passer rating allowed. Chargers playing a lot of man. And we saw last week the Cardinals didn't generate a ton of pressure, but they converted so many of their pressures into sacks. The pressures were instantly turning into sacks. And I don't think that that'll happen. Like, Gino's generally actually been pretty solid under pressure. It was just not a good outing for him last week. I think the pressure was sort of fluky and that it really converted at a high rate. So he gets a, a type of defense that he plays well against. I don't expect him to be pressured as much. The team still ranks, I think, 17th in PFF pa pass blocking grade. So I actually think this looks like a pretty good bounce back spot for him. Well, the Chargers' defense has been so bad. I will so the the, you know, the Seahawks are coming up on touchdown road underdogs. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. It's five and a half points, but that I mean this anecdotally and I mean kind of by the boomer stats that had, when Geno Smith is playing from behind, he has just been terrible. This but year. It, it, like, is it really a road game if it's in Los Angeles? That's a good point, actually. I mean, um, the the crowd will be sixty five percent Seattle fans. At a minimum. And by the way, I did a poll last week of which fan base was least likely to take over SoFi Stadium, which is kind of a trick question since every fan base will take over SoFi Stadium. Not uh, the Panthers. Man, the Jaguars won the poll, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I, would. Well, I think the Panthers was the right Panthers feels like a good bet. No, no, Panthers, that's a much bigger metropolitan area than Jacksonville. Yeah, but they, they have no fans. There are no Panthers. You think the Jaguars have fans? Yeah, Actually, they, they have, do on Twitter. They have they're insanely rabid. I was going to say, they're fans. actually kind of scary. 
Yeah, no, they're, 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 the, they're the scariest people. Jags in the are like 2014, 15 Bills era fans. Like when Josh Allen was yeah, still not Yeah, that's actually good. a really good point. I kind of forgot the Jags have a really a, a team starting PJ Walker doesn't have fans. They have people in mourning, but they don't have fans. Listen, I live in fear of the Jacksonville, uh, right. of, of Jags Twitter. I, I do not fear Giants or Jets Twitter, so keep coming at me. <laughs> the Panthers had to just cast a net. They cast a net across two states in America to try to get some fans. You're supposed to pick a city. The regional sports authority of the Carolinas presents the Panthers. (laughs) uh, Anyways, uh, back to this game. Pat Crane is at all systems go for Ken Walker. Almost 70% of the snaps last week, I believe like 22 touches. Any flies in the ointment there or is it, is it what it appears? And this is a man who has taken over the CLC Hawks backfield. It's what it appears. He's running back three in rush yards over expected per attempt this season. Uh, he's only running back 36 in success rate. So, you know, maybe we could get some some frustrating, some boom bust type of rushing profile for Walker in a different situation, one where Penny was still around. Maybe you'd worry that, you know, they get frustrated with Walker and he'd start to lose touches or something. But I don't think we're in that situation. They love him. They know his upside. He's already shown that upside. Uh, so I think they're just going to ride him. They're going up against a Chargers defense that is – just bad in general. It's bad against the run. It's bad against the pass. So I do think that, you know, Geno Smith should have a bounce back outing and, you know, it should be a fairly efficient offense. And, you know, kind of like how they were against the Lions, they'll probably still be running the ball at a, a fairly high rate as the game's close, but they have a chance to rip off long runs, you know, which then sets up Geno for success working off of that. That's kind of the, to me, like the recipe you want for Seattle. They get the run game going, they have the whole offense kind of working. You know the run setting up the pass, vice versa. This they're they're definitely in position to be able to do that, unless the Chargers just get way out ahead. So speaking of the Chargers, Denny, are the Chargers actually as bad as they appeared in Week Six, where just really really dispiriting football? Two hundred and thirty-eight yards on fifty-seven attempts for right. Justin Herbert, four point two yards per attempt. He's under two hundred. He was under two hundred twenty-eight yards the week before. There's only one multi-score start in four games since he since he injured his ribs. Can yeah. the Seahawks defense, one of the worst in the league, maybe pound for pound, the worst defense in the league, finally get uh, Justin Herbert going? I think so, but I mean the offensive line situation is really bleak uh, for the Chargers. At least it has been in the last couple of weeks. Uh, PFF grades the Chargers as the ninth worst pass blocking offensive line and the worst run blocking offensive line, which I was kind of surprised about. Obviously, that ha- that's due somewhat to injuries, somewhat to guys being shuffled around. I'm sure Kyle has a 15-minute take on what the Chargers are doing on the <laughs> offensive line. Uh, uh, Herbert has faced pressure at the fourth highest rate among all quarterbacks who have taken at least half their team's snaps this season. His A dot drops from 6.2 in a clean pocket to – are you ready for – I don't think you're ready for this, but I'm going to say it anyway – to 1.8 when facing wow. pressure. So that means tons of targets for whoever is close to the line of scrimmage. Okay. And this is what I know from watching the games, Austin Eckler, uh, Keenan Allen, if he plays Josh Palmer, if he, I know he's in the concussion protocol, but you know, he does operate nearer to the line of scrimmage than say a Mike Williams. So this is this development bad for Mike Williams. Good for good, good for maybe Allen, definitely Eckler. Uh, the, the Seahawks are not really, uh, you know, known to pressure the quarterback. So maybe he can get by, maybe he can have some time in the pockets to operate, but the way that, that things are unfolding, it's just a bunch of check down stuff from Herbert. 
Keenan Allen is expected back this week, yes. by the way. He's practicing in full. Um, Kyle, I mean, Denny actually did just kind of lay it out, but what do you think the effects of Keenan Allen are turning? But Josh Palmer had like a baffling downfield role on Monday night all of a sudden where he just kept drawing defensive pass interference penalties. Well, Mike Williams got the Pat Sertan treatment. We all know this. We're all grinding our cornerback film. We all expected this to happen. He's in my showdown lineups with Mike Williams. CB versus WR is back, folks. So I (laughs) (laughs) for several years we talked about cornerback receiver matchups and then everyone's kind of stopped talking about it. Yeah, well, they're not like the most secure predictive. They you know, they they matter when they matter, and then all of a sudden they don't matter. And like, well, this one was just an outlier or whatever. So I don't focus on them too much. But what I do think matters for this game is getting Keenan Allen back. I get that he's not a downfield threat, right? But he will have an ADOT multiples of Austin Ecklers. I mean, almost any running back is going to have an ADOT centered around like zero, like literally zero. It's just how running backs are used in the NFL. Whereas Keenan Allen's going to have an ADOT of something like seven or eight. So if you're replacing a lot of these, these Austin Eckler essentially, you know, empty calorie types of targets with Keenan Allen five, six, seven yards downfield, that's going to open up the entire offense. And we're seeing how bad this is hurting Justin Herbert. I mean, you read the stat line, but we saw last week, 70% of his passes came nine or fewer yards downfield. Like they just couldn't, they had no way to matriculate the ball downfield and Keenan Allen, though, not a deep threat. They don't need a deep threat. They just need that intermediate chain mover on this offense. And as much as I love Austin Eckler, Almost no running back is actually going to fulfill that role. So I think this helps the offense as a whole. I don't know exactly if it helps Mike Williams. I think good players who have less competition for targets is probably a good thing, but it's not really going to hurt him that much. Like he wasn't playing a role that was exactly tailor made for him. Now at least the offense will be more productive and he has someone to take some heat off of him. The interesting thing with, you know, all of these, you know, the, the check downs, the, the short throws, Herbert is not like a particularly voluminous deep ball thrower, but he has generally thrown a lot of intermediate throws. Uh, Last year, he attempted an intermediate pass on 20% of his throws. That was quarterback 18. He's down to 14% this year. Only Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz rank lower in in intermediate throw rate. So I think all like completely agree. Keenan Allen would be a major boost. I also think the fact that the Seahawks really haven't been pressuring the passer could be a potential godsend for this offense and yeah. the the offensive line stuff is so weird because like we talked about this six round rookie jamari sailor who's at left tackle played really well in his first game played horrible the following week he played well against lat again last week everyone else on the Chargers offensive line was horrible last week so they can't seem to get it together on the offensive line but like you know the the guy who you think would be maybe the weak link has now had two good games out of the last three games they go, they're going up against a very poor pass rush. If Keenan Allen's back, like they don't need to be hitting these long, deep shots. They just need to be able to get the ball like 11, 12 yards downfield, and they should be able to do that. They also do need to hit some deep shots. It's Justin Herbert, and maybe Joe Lombardi should take a look in the mirror. I, I should mm-hmm. say real quick that the Chargers have a, uh, an implied total of 28 and a half, so there could be, could be some point scoring. Here. Give us some points, please, please. somebody this week. Chiefs 49ers is one of the week's highest total games at 48 and a half. Speaking of someone who may give us points, but it seems like Kyle that we have fallen into boredom with both of these skill cores. What do we need to know about this game? 
Yeah, to me, the the Chiefs are the same as they've always been, essentially. Juju last week, 94% route rate, MVS over 83%. Both those guys, and I believe every single game this year, have been above 75%. No one else on the team, at least receivers, obviously, Travis Kelsey, you just start him every week, don't worry about that. Uh, no one else on the team, though, was over 50% route rate. They're, none of the rest of them are startable. I hope one day Sky Moore gets in the lineup more, but you are not. You probably don't even need to stash him yet. I do like in this matchup, we saw it again last week, that Juju versus versus man is, is not good. You don't want him having to physically beat another player who exists on the NFL field. He has a 17% air yard share and 19% target share versus man, only targeted on 18% of his routes. Versus zone, where maybe he doesn't exactly need to use his physical skill set, but he is a seasoned veteran, only 21 years old still, of course, but a seasoned veteran nonetheless. 23% target share, 23% air yard share, and targeted on 24% of his routes versus zone, 49ers. Top five in zone coverage rate. We saw it last week. Juju got there versus a very zone-heavy team. Hopefully, we at least get some production out of one of them. Uh, To me, my bet is this week again, going with Juju. MVS running all the routes. I I mean, he runs all the routes with Patrick Mahomes. Maybe you you can still play him. That's the argument to still play him. Uh, 49ers are not particularly interesting. They're, like you said, boring. You know, we know know what they are, right? All three of their, I'll call them the big three, Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle last week, were between, I believe, nine or 10 and 11 targets. And the Chiefs allow the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers. So maybe things keep rolling for Ayuk and get back on track for Debo. It seems like everyone just agrees. That everything They're predictable. They've been pretty much the same once all both these teams are healthy. You know, Kittle wasn't healthy early in the year. I think uh, Jimmy G has some streaming appeal in 12-team leagues uh, since it's a bye week, since you know, the Niners could be pressed out of their preferred run-heavy attack. We saw uh, Jimmy G put up decent fantasy numbers last week as they chase points uh, inexplicably against the Falcons. So uh, <laughs> if, you know, we're, we're, we're rooting for the Chiefs to stomp on these Niners early if you if you are streaming Jimmy G. Of course, the floor uh, is basically non-existent. would be nice for Kittle, too. If that it happens. would be nice. It would it's be hard nice. to really, honestly, it's hard to call Jimmy G a streamer. He's kind of just like a locked-in top 12 quarterback this week. If oh, you yeah, go okay. Look, right. if you go look You've at got 19 game. quarterbacks in your top 12, so it is a little And it's easier. true. It's really crowded <laughs> in there. Um, but, uh, did, we, did we mention Jeff Wilson, by the way? Like, talk about scams getting exposed. last <laughs> Like, if they're in trail mode, Jeff Wilson is in the bread line, basically. Uh, my team. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're going to be in trail mode this week. So. Well, Jeff Wilson's why they were in trail mode, because he fumbled the ball. They returned for a, a touchdown. So, That's right. I don't know. Had he thought about not? Especially <laughs> given his lack of – he should know his, his target share is pretty low. Well, if all you do is slam into the line, like maybe maybe hold on to the ball. So Jeff, Jeff, food for thought heading into this game. We'll be right back. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Download the Rotoworld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Doing everything they can to spin the earth off its axis, the spiraling Denver Broncos host the surging New York Jets as one-point home favorites, Denny. Uh, much as I want to begin with the Broncos' struggles, we love talking about it more than almost anything in this world, Denny. Yeah, uh, I'm more concerned in fantasy about the Jets' run-heavy ways oh. and the toll it has taken on their pass catchers. Uh, so light at the end of the tunnel for any of these guys who are looking really, really interesting with Joe Flacco under center. No, absolutely not. I mean, it's it is literally just a black tunnel from here until forever for everyone in this offense except for Brees Hall. Uh, I I regret to inform Jets fans that the Jets are successfully hiding Zach Wilson with I will say inventive play calling. Okay, you know, lots of really cool uh, uh, run based schemes. They they use jet motion on like eighty some percent of of Zach Wilson's dropbacks last week. So they are they are doing everything they can to hide this kid. And he is a kid. I'm 39 years old, so I can say that. Um, and, you know, he has the fourth lowest. Wilson has the fourth lowest completion rate over expected in the NFL since taking over as starter. Uh, he's been pretty disastrous for the pass catchers. For example, Garrett Wilson. Okay, he had a 90 something percent pass rate over the past two weeks. Okay, so he's out there. That's resulted in a total of 31 pass routes for context. Garrett ran 37 routes in his big week two game against Cleveland. So with that, with that sort of usage, with that sort of offense, very few guys are going to be able to get there. Uh, Usually nobody's going to be able to get there without an enormous play, like a 50, 80 yard touchdown, something like that. Right. It's, it's all Brees Hall. It's a little bit of Michael Carter. Uh, that's the way this team wants to play. Now, I don't know if they can execute that against what is a really good Bronco, Broncos defense. Okay, like I, I know that they're, they're losing and they look, they look iffy at times, but that's because the offense is putting them in such bad uh, predicaments. Okay, the, the, this, I think this Denver offense could eat Zach Wilson alive um, and kind of throw off that, that game plan. I, I always think that these, these, uh, you know, offenses that are hiding their quarterbacks, leaning on the run so heavily, it's a very uh, easily broken formula, right? It's like a fragile way to approach the game. And if a defense can can force them into, you know, into a pass-heavy script, it's over for these Jets. Yeah, just speaking, before you jump in, Crane, that's what the New England Patriots did to the Browns last weekend right. Nick Chubb. So you, you, you guys want to hear the quarterbacks that Wilson was more efficient than last week in EPA per play? Sure. Is this a stat of the week? Do we have one? Could this be sure one? stat of the week? Here's yeah. the here's EPA per play. Uh, the quarterbacks that finished lower than Zach Wilson in week six of the 2022 season. PJ Walker. That's it. That's I'm, it. Su- I'm surprised there was any name. I thought it was going to be the classic zero name reveal. I think the one name reveal was even funnier because PJ Walker uh, did not look like he belonged in an NFL field. That's it. Oh, it's bad. 
So I, I mean, basically, uh, you are hoping against hope that Garrett Wilson gets gets some more looks, uh, that they're forced into pass heavy script. I guess you're playing Corey Davis. I mean, Corey Davis is probably the wide receiver one right now in that offense, which yep. is really a th- very depressing thing to say. I don't like saying it. I don't no. like it, but I, but yeah. I will say it. And then you're not playing Elijah Moore. You're just not. You're not doing it. It's just not what you do in this country. Um, also, also Elijah Moore, please log off. Yeah, log yeah. Off. I was excused from. Uh... He did, he was excused from practice on Thursday. Oh no! Oh no! No, I didn't yeah. sound like a suspension or anything. Okay, but you know, Elijah, please, please stop using the internet for a while. Yeah, he needs a little bit of a break. Um, we just kind of went through the reasons, Kyle, of like what could throw like the Jets' rushing attack off balance. But Brees Hall, I mean, see a top twelve running back at this point. Yeah, I have him ranked as RB9 this week. This is as of Thursday afternoon. It won't change too much. His role is really good. He has, since Zach Wilson returned, just since Zach Wilson returned, he has 69% of the team's running back carries, 52% of the red zone attempts. And even though we're not seeing as many targets overall to running backs, he still has a 14% target share, which is very strong. He also, on the year, leads all running backs in total air yards. And he's boat racing the rest of the running backs. They're at least occasionally taking some like middling, almost not quite deep shots but they're they're letting him run downfield a little bit he's super athletic it makes sense to do that so in the games they get behind which was zach wilson you kind of think that's always a risk they'll be throwing to in the games they get ahead they're running down downhill with him so it's like he's not quite game script proof because if the jets put up no points that's going to be a problem and that's on the table but he's as close as running back can get on a bad offense Crane, I asked Lawrence and Kyle the other day, switching to the Denver Broncos, about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. We talked about on the Tuesday rankings podcast, uh, just like what if we had hope, what our feelings were. I mean, is there any hope that they live up to their fantasy expectations? Not that they've they haven't totally cratered yet, really, until last week. Like Cortland Sutton was still kind of getting home as a wide receiver too. Jerry Judy was still kind of getting home, like in that wide receiver three mix, but. Like, what is the going out forward outlook for these two guys who should be fantasy studs? Um, what is the outlook right now? The outlook is not good. Uh, the quarterback play we know is bad. I think this coaching is potentially worse. The thing, like, they won't stop running the ball, right? You have this really inefficient passing game. Wilson's 24th in EPA per play. But the Broncos rank 31st in EPA per rush. Do you, you want to hear the only the only passing game less efficient than the <laughs> yeah, Broncos running gosh. game? Do I? The Carolina Panthers. <laughs> the answer oh, to everything. So, so like literally, they because they won't stop running the ball, it's like they're taking the ball out of Russ Wilson's hands, which you know could be a good thing given how bad he's played, but they're handing it to the Carolina Panthers passing offense in terms of the efficiency gain. So it's 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 a nightmare. You're not getting anything from the offense overall, not just Russell Wilson. Like this isn't all his fault, even though. He's been pretty bad. When you look at Cortland Sutton, one of the advantages that he's had in recent weeks is that he's had a huge gap between his routes run versus Jerry Judy. That has begun to shrunk to shrink. Jerry Judy uh, was at 94% route participation last week. He's seeing very similar target opportunity on a per route basis. So now you're setting up kind of a 1A, 1B type of thing. These guys are going to be cannibalizing each other. This is not the type of situation we want, given just how bad the offense is overall. I think the only way out of this is that Wilson takes a step forward. I, I don't like there's no evidence that that's going to happen, but I think that's there's like evidence the only, against it with these subway commercials. My God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like really the only path to them, not just being total disappointments. And so talking about the receivers, not being total disappointments. You know, who do we think the Broncos starting running back? I feel like it's still, I have Melvin Gordon ranked. I get called him the starter earlier in the week, but like, 
he started him last week and just benched him. There is, there's there been all reports today. It was a complete benching. Gordon said, he was like, yeah, I think I could have contributed to this game, but uh, apparently not. Whereas words, the, uh, the ever sarcastic Melvin Gordon was not happy with it. So like, you're not playing him. Like, even if he's the starter, his, he has the highest likelihood of being benched of any starter in the league right now. That's the only on reason offense. he's starting. <laughs> so how can you convince him again? <laughs> I feel I feel for Melvin Gordon. I, I feel I feel solidarity with him. He's <laughs> over it, man. We He's talked about it, Urban Meyer earlier. I get very Urban Meyer vibes from Hackett. Well, it's sort of. I mean, he's, he's not. Urban, he's like a. He's like his players. Like yeah, yeah. Like Urban, Urban Meyer is, is like Urban Meyer's a tyrant. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Right. Then yeah, Hackett's more of a stooge type. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's sad yeah. sack Urban Meyer. He like yeah, he yeah. like wants his players to like him, and they just don't. Um, yeah, yeah. He gives me like doesn't know what he's doing, bungling this type of stuff. Urban yeah. Meyer vibes, but like, man, I miss the Urban Meyer days. God, that was fun. So yeah. what Crane said, by the way, the Rosetta Stone for every NFL stat is the Carolina Panthers. It really attack. is. Just um, consult that if you're wondering what uh, the only thing that could possibly be worse than your offense. It's probably in Carolina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, moving on from this game, touchdown home favorites. The Miami Dolphins get back their quarterback on Sunday Night Football at 8:20 p.m. Eastern on NBC as the Pittsburgh Steelers wait on who theirs might be this week. Uh, seems like maybe it'll be Kenny Pickett. Could definitely be Mitch Trubisky, Pat Crane. What do we need to know? Yeah, looking at the Dolphins side of this, um, we're getting to it back, and you know he's he obviously it's a small sample, but he's played so well this year. Ranks quarterback two in EPA per play, quarterback four in CPOE. This is a really great matchup. I think the biggest thing we need to focus on with the Dolphins is can they protect the quarterback from the pass rush? This, they've lost their starter in literally three straight games. They should have lost Tua in the game before that against the Bills. I think they can hold up against this pass rush. Hopefully, the Steelers rank 25th in pass rush grade. They're 26th in quick pressure rate. That's pressures of 2.5 seconds or less. Given we talked about Tom Brady just completely dressing down his offensive line, that would lead you to assume that the offensive line let up a lot of pressure. No, they didn't at all. They were 27th in pressure rate last week, 24th in quick pressure rate. Like they were, they were great. Brady just like really hates getting hit, couldn't handle it, had a meltdown on the sidelines. That doesn't necessarily mean that we have to worry about the Dolphins here. You know, they're, they're probably going to be just fine in terms of being, of being able to protect Tua. If they can protect Tua, they're going up against a defense that ranks 24th in dropback success rate, which I think also fits to a skill set very well, kind of being able to pick them apart with these steady throws that we're going to get yards after the catch on. Because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waller are both playing absolutely fantastic this year. Hill leads the NFL with 3.61 yards per out run. Both he and Waddle are seeing elite target volume. I would be cautious about chasing Mike Jasicki here. His routes have been limited in games with Durham Smythe, who is practicing again. So you got to worry about that. But, you know, if if he doesn't go, Jasicki is definitely interesting. Mostert looks trustworthy. Uh, 62% of the snaps last week. The knee issue doesn't seem to be a big deal. Uh, Kenny Pickett could be forced to the air if everything goes well on the Dolphins side, which I think it probably will. That's really good news for Deontay Johnson. He has a 5.4 yards per target. That's fourth percentile among wide receivers. It's absolutely tanking what could be a very strong season for him. He's been a, He's gotten a first-read target on 23% of his routes, which is 92nd percentile. He has a 28% target share, which is very strong. He's still the same Deontay Johnson. The the offense is designed to get him the ball. He is getting open. He is getting targets, but he's just not doing anything on those targets. Yards per target is very volatile. Maybe because he's not good. 
you know, he's not good at everything, but he's good at the thing that, that matters the most, too. which is getting the target. Then will he drop the target in so much that he gets benched occasionally? Yes, he will. But but like he needs to get like he's got about two yards to go to like a bad yards per target. Like, you know, he's so he's so bad on his per, on his targets that he, he can regress positively just so you can't wait to play. So guys, this guy who's terrible. Look, he's off. He's off. And you have to get yards per target is he's not so sticky. We bet against yards per target. Play Deontay. I was Johnson. I was going to ask if we could just keep betting on Deontay's target share. Like if it's time yes. to drop him out of the top twenty four. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. You can. You definitely can, especially if volume really? is up. I think you you blindly bet on on the target because it's not like again he's he's also getting a lot of first reads. Like the offense is designed to to get him the ball still. And so, assuming Kenny Pickett's in the lineup, Kenny Pickett hasn't been bad. Like his CPOE is positive. Yeah. Even his EPA per play is like not terrible. It's almost exactly neutral despite him throwing a ton of interceptions, but they've been kind of fluky. So the fact that if you were to cut those out, he would actually look like a pretty solid quarterback. Like there's his accuracy has been much better than Trubisky's. Yeah. So like that, there's some yeah. value to be had here for sure. Yeah. Kenny Pickett or George, Kenny Pickett's yeah, I did it all the time. <laughs> Uh, looks interesting as well. 15.5 ADOT. He's got some big play upside. If this game doesn't kind of get there from a volume perspective, Pickens could still be fine because of that ADOT. I'm nervous about Claypool. Pat Frymer's coming back. They're going to be kind of competing for similar over-the-middle targets, I think. So those two guys aren't quite as interesting. And Najee Harris also not that interesting. Um, he ranks running back 46, which is dead last in rush yards over expected per attempt. He ranks running back 46, which is also dead last in rushing success rate. He's running back 44 in yards per out run. So if you're really, really bad at running the ball and really bad at catching the ball, you need to run. You need to be out there literally for every snap to have any chance at value. Uh, His snaps are way down from last year. He played on 80% plus of snaps in 12 of 17 games last year. He set that mark just once this season. He's at 75% plus snaps in 14 of 17 games last year. That's 82%. He's hit that mark just twice, 33%. This year, he's not the same total, like complete workhorse running back that he was last year, and he's playing even worse than he did as a rookie. Great. <laughs> Besides that, it's really good, actually. Yeah. It's, uh, Other than ki- that, how is the play? Yeah, say so he's been killing it. Um, and, uh, oh, good one, Kyle. No, I was gonna say he's been killing it in the Mrs. Lincoln leagues. I was thinking on that the same joke. Yeah, he's elite. RB1. <laughs> same joke you made last week. That, yeah, yeah. That same, just elite RB one in the Mrs. Lincoln leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, Craig Dennis Carter. Yes. The Raiders and Texans both come off by with Vegas operating as touchdown home favorites. I'm gonna take a quick nap, real quick, as you tell us. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Can I also close my eyes? Yeah. I'm very tired. It's it's 4:30 in the afternoon. I'm, I'm, this is this is my yeah, nap. Crane, just to take me behind the curtain, real quick. Crane, I don't think you're going to be on time for your haircut. Oh, um, no, I was, just, I was settling in this chair, <laughs> and you're not going to be on time for your haircut. All right, <laughs> I am not. Let me let me do this game. All right, look, Houston. <laughs> all right, here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> the Texans are the sixth most extreme run funnel defense. Josh Jacobs is handling nearly 84 percent of the Raiders' backfield touches, so you can add two and two and get Josh Jacobs has a, has a huge ceiling here. Obviously he's a top uh, 10 RB one this week. I mean, he's, he has to be sure. better than that, right? Top eight. Seven. Yeah, it could be top eight. Yeah. He he's an RB one. Okay. Uh, okay. Davis mills has some sneaky deep league appeal. All right. I'm, cut it. I'm, cut I'm, his mic. Out. <laughs> <laughs> around that part. Deep. Um, uh, you know, 18 to 20, 18 to 50 to 70 team leagues. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. You have to hear me out. Uh, all five quarterbacks to face double super flex Vegas. <laughs> have uh, okay. All five quarterbacks to, to face the Raiders this year have finished as top ten scores. 
which includes the likes of Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Ryan Tannehill on the, I mean, you know, okay, just, it's a, it's by weeks. Okay. I'm just trying to throw out some guys who might be available. Um, don't cut my mic on, on, on this next player. Damian Pierce basically <laughs> has over the past three weeks has, uh, the same insanely strong workload as Jacobs actually over four games. Oh, his matchup is obviously not a great one this week. The, the Texans are heavy, uh, underdogs, uh, and the Raiders allow the lowest EPA per rush. Uh, through six weeks. I will say that maybe, maybe Pierce can get by with some pass game involvement over his past two games. He's caught nine of 11 targets for, for 22 yards. So he has that going for him. Over the past while, four, he's run more routes than uh, Rex Burkett as well. They're still splitting the routes, but the fact that he's not a yeah. zero, in fact, he's, he's over 50% as the team's pass catcher. There's something there. There you it's go. been several weeks since we had to order a Denny mic cutting, by the way. So it was actually a pretty good run you had there, Denny. I wouldn't usually talk about Davis Mills, but on by week central, you know, we're doing it. By the way, Darren Waller appears like he's not going to come back. He was injured early in that, that crazy Monday night football game. He's yet to resume practicing. It's Foster Moreau season. It's always been Foster Moreau season, I've been told. Um, I actually know one has said that. I haven't even seen his name mentioned this week, but uh, he, he is. Well, he uh, was dealing with something too. There's a, uh, he, he got uh, in a limited practice early in the week, so it looks like he should be able to come back, but it's worth checking in on. He was actually kind of involved. He had like three catches for 30 some yards in back to back games before he look, got hurt. Let's, let's some, fire up our Moreau's. As someone who touted Foster Moreau when he ran, I think last year there was a game where he ran like 43 routes and didn't see a target. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought the I story was going to have a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> so, Pat, you know I'm trying to make a haircut and you bring up Foster Moreau. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, man. Uh, by the way, Denny, you had a tweet earlier this week about how excited you were to, to tout uh, the very Juwan, Foster Moreau like Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson. And uh, it featured it, a, that's a, happening tonight. A very teary man. We won't say his name, but uh, you should go <laughs> check out the tweet. We're, we're getting near the end. Pat is his hair. The, the follicles are basically starting to fall off his head. They're itching. <laughs> it's to get out Continuing to operate as the league's worst team in close contests, the Baltimore Ravens arrive home from New York City. Excuse me, actually from New Jersey. They don't play in New York uh, to host the Browns, a six and a half point home favorites. Crane, with the frustration growing in Baltimore. What in the world is going on with the Ravens offense? And I, I don't even know what this question means, why I wrote it like this. I said, what kind of voids is it leaving in fantasy? Uh, just basically, why is the Ravens offense so bad? And why are they not trying to make it better? Yeah, so I, I don't think this is a bad offense. I mean, we've got we've got big mistakes from Lamar Jackson, which, you know. He's in poor design. That's It's more like, why is Greg Roman still the offensive coordinator would be a better way, I feel like, to phrase this question. I'm going to defend the design of the offense. The entire design of the offense is designed to get the design of the offense is designed to get Mark Andrews the ball, which I think is a defensible position for an offense. Rashad Bateman has a 14.4 off uh, a dot. That's that's a, he's a deep threat. Devin Duvernay is at 13.8, also a deep threat. They just signed Deshaun Jackson to run sprints downfield. He'll be a deep threat once he gets a target, which might be a while. Then it's he'll all designed pull his hamstring, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. It's all designed to help open up the middle of the field for Mark Andrews. Uh, he is seeing deep targets for tight end, 11.4 ADOT. He has the highest whopper in the league. That's That combines target share and area share. Highest whopper in the league, not among tight ends, but among all players. Uh, he has the highest target share in the league. So I actually think, you know, four 
what we want out of this passing game, which is Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, it's kind of nice for fantasy. We know where the targets are going. Bateman, if he's back, does have some value because he he gets targeted uh, on these deep routes. So he doesn't get a many targets, but what he does get, you know, can lead to, to fantasy value pretty quickly. So if you look at this offense, they rank 10th in EPA per dropback. They rank second in EPA per rush. They're fourth in EPA per play. I mean, they've, they've made some bad mistakes. They've, they've dropped some games they shouldn't have dropped, but I, I do think it's actually like a pretty decent offense. So speaking of, it might be a far less decent offense, in your opinion, your words, not mine. If Mark Andrews doesn't play, he isn't practice back-to-back days. It does seem Harbaugh. like they're kind of just keeping him off his feet, though. I think he's going to Harbaugh play. called it rest the first uh, the first time it happened. They obviously listed him with, I believe, the knee injury. But Harbaugh did come out and say they're, they gave him a rest day. So That was on Wednesday, and then he didn't practice again on Thursday, which is a little weirder. It puts, you, it puts the you know the radar warning up, but I would Especially still because the Ravens have like been kind of misleading about this stuff. Uh, all year and JK Dobbins didn't practice skin Thursday. Uh, Rashad Bateman does appear like he's going to play, but just kind of like the personnel is in flux for the Ravens this week. My guess is of Thursday afternoon is that Mark Andrews is going to play uh, less, less sure on JK Dobbins, Kyle. And it's like this running game getting like too gross to touch. Kind of, I mean, Gus Edwards might be back this week, apparently, by the way, they can be really opaque with his status since he's still technically on injured reserve. They don't have to put him in the injury report. What's the breakdown of the Ravens running game? Yeah, like you said, J.K. Dobbins actually is much more of a threat to not play this game because they hardly played him all last week. John Harbaugh after the game said his knee tightened up. So it, it doesn't seem like he suffered a serious injury, but it wouldn't be surprising for a player who they continue to hold out to have at least a minor setback or just something flare up where they're not comfortable giving him the bulk of the work. And they, even when he wasn't dealing with in-game knee tightness, were not giving him the bulk of the work in almost any game. He had fewer than 10 carries in all but one game. He was not playing the bulk of the snaps. I think he only got over half. I think it was at half. He didn't even technically get over. He reached half in one single game. And this team is, is one that they're, they want to pass the football. They're good at it. They're doing it well. They have a pass rate over expected and they pass in the red zone at a 56% clip. That doesn't even exclude the Lamar Jackson rush attempts, which can also be taken out of JK Dobbins pie. So I think if you're desperate, this is a good offense we saw. And it was, I believe JK Dobbins second game back. He had the two touchdowns. If you're going to be on the field half the time with an offense that should be able to put up points, we're missing a lot of players this week. Maybe he makes it into your flex, your RB2, but I would be doing anything I can to avoid that. Crane, just real quick, but you know who doesn't seem to think the Ravens' offense is designed that well is most of the Ravens' players um, have like subtweeted or just yeah. outwardly quote tweeted Greg Roman this year, I feel like. Um, so just a rebuttal there to you. Um, even yeah, though you're because point- the whole thing's designed to funnel targets to Mark <laughs> that's Andrews. A good point, actually. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I would be pretty sore if the tight end just kept getting every single target. So that actually doesn't make a lot of sense. And so, so uh, you think the Ravens' offense is good? I'm not sure what you think of the Browns' offense, but each of Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and David Njoku keep seeing like pretty steady volume. Is there any way that can keep up? This seems like it might be a good week for it to keep up against a Ravens pass defense that is really, really, really struggling. I think Amari Cooper is where it can keep up. Uh, I, I made my my whole spiel about Deontay Johnson. We fade yards per target that is ridiculously low. Uh, this is another spot to do that. Amari Cooper has a 6.6 yards per target, super low, not the type of thing that's going to sustain. You, what you want to do is bet on the fact that he's getting targeted at a really high rate. He's been he's at, had a first read target on 22% of his routes, indicating that you know this offense is designed to get him the ball, 93rd percentile for that. Uh, so to me, 
his target volume looks pretty sustainable. I think he's the type of guy you want to bet on for an efficiency spike in yards per target, which, you know, when this, when you see regression, like it doesn't always, he doesn't always get back to where he's supposed to. He might be wildly efficient one of these days uh, on that target volume, which means he could be an elite option. Uh, on the other hand, David Njoku is running very hot in yards per target. He's kind of got the opposite dynamic going on where we would expect him to be producing less on the target volume he's gotten so far. He's athletic. He's, he could be an efficient player, but that's something that's a little, makes you a little nervous. Donovan Peoples-Jones has a 17% target rate to Cooper's 27%, which is a massive difference. So Peoples-Jones looks also much more fragile than Amari Cooper, who looks really kind of like he settled in and carved out a true number one wide receiver role in this team. Yeah, very, very, very high target totals from Amari Cooper. So the DPJ stuff is weird, right? It just keeps popping up, but... Uh, your explanation makes a lot of sense. And maybe David Njoku will lose the argument after all. He's looked uh, very good now for a month. But maybe he's not Maybe he's not good is what you're trying to say, Pat, Just right? get some more targets. Yeah, you got to earn those targets. you got to earn those yeah. targets. And Do that. You've got to earn this haircut. Uh, Pat Crane has served his country well. It's time for him to go. He'll get trimmed up. He's not missing much. So Yeah, he's not missing much because we have only one game left. Kyle Dvorak's going to talk about it. It's got a 39.5 total. As an eight-point home favorite in the New England Patriots, and you know Bill Belichick is still eliminating young or backup quarterbacks with impunity. Kyle, uh, they host Justin Fields' Bears this week. What do we need to know about this game? So from the Bears side, uh, it's bad, but the good news is this is on prime time, so you can't watch anything else, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, the one thing that, from a fantasy perspective, I don't think this will really manifest in much real life success, but from a fantasy fantasy perspective Justin Fields threw the ball season high 27 times last week also ran the ball 12 times a season high as well he's top 20 past 10 20 is such a low mark but for him it matters he's top 20 past attempts in each of the past three weeks which he wasn't doing early in the year his best three rushing totals have also come in the past three weeks they're letting him they're throwing him to the wolves maybe you'd call it but from a fantasy perspective a guy who you know is breaking the pocket running on a lot of his dropbacks and is trying to heave it to Darnell Mooney on the others I I'll take him over Davis Mills. I'm sorry, Denny. Uh, no, I, I, yes, I agree. Uh, you know, th- they're not designing many runs for him, if if any. So he needs those dropbacks to get those opportunities exactly. to break out of the pocket and, and go. I, in my research this week, I stumbled across this uh, over the past two weeks. So very small sample. I get it. But <laughs> Dar- Darnell Mooney has the highest weighted opportunity rate, which which incorporates both air yards and and uh, and t- target share. I'm sorry, target share and air yard share. He has the, the highest in the league over the last two weeks. So he has that going for him. I think you can start him this week. Yeah, he was the only other player on this offense, at least the passing attack. Dave Montgomery's getting all the work. He's running routes at like he's got like a five to one advantage over Khalil Herbert, maybe a four to one advantage in terms of routes run. But as far as the pass catchers go, Darno Mooney, like you said, whenever they want to move the ball more than like six yards downfield, Darno Mooney is simply their only option. I'm right. not sure how drafting Bayless Jones and, and trading for Nikhil Harry, I'm not sure how that didn't work. I, I'm still looking <laughs> for an answer. But until we find that answer, it's just Darnell Mooney. And the fact that they're letting fields drop back more means that he may actually have more chances will have more chances to convert on the, this absolutely massive opportunity. Uh, you know, play David Montgomery. He gets all the touches. On the other side of the ball, 
Jacoby Myers is like the Dave Montgomery of this of this receiving room. He has uh, you know incredibly high target share and air yard share. We didn't see that manifest a ton last week, but you know, Zappy was just dealing. He was throwing it to anyone, and they were all getting open. It's a poor coverage game for the Browns. That's frankly. what he does. Watch that one. He does. He dude. He throws. He throws gas, as the baseball guys would call it. <laughs> but uh, I think we're seeing Mac Jones this week. Signs are pointing to Mac Jones this week. Frankly, I don't think it matters. Like I said, Jacoby Myers. You just play him because of his overall volume within any passing attack. This one, not a particularly exciting one. I feel less confident we see Damian Harris. Even if we do, you're, you're firing up, Ramon. Well, He's I got bad news. He practiced in full on Thursday. Oh, oh. Yeah, but I, I said, hey, hey. I said, either way. Either way, I think you are firing up Ramondre. He has just frankly looked like the better back and one of the league's best backs so far this year. He's eighth in yards after contact per carry, fifth in carries of 15 plus yards, and his opponent, the Bears, are outside. Uh, they're outside the top 20 in terms of rushing EPA per play allowed. And as massive favorites, we expect the Patriots to just control the clock, control the ball. So Damian Harris probably jumps into like uh, in his first game back. It's a little skeptical, you know, what his role will be. Probably more like RB 24 to 32 range. That's what I'm saying. It's a it's a good enough spot that like 12 carries really could be enough to get there. I still think in this first game back and maybe going forward, Ramondre's looks so good. It's, it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle type of deal. But Damian Harris should come back to a week where we have good players on by as like a deep, risky flex play. I wanted to mention real quick, Tyquan Thornton in limited, somewhat limited usage last week after Kendrick Bourne left the game, led all Patriots pass catchers with a 21% uh, rate, uh, target rate on his routes. He also saw three rushes. I think he's very, he's very interesting. Maybe, maybe not this week. I don't know, but like going forward, I'm very interested in Tyquan. Yeah, he's a player who should be owned in most uh, every league, except really shallow ones. Yeah, guy with the second round draft capital, kind of coming in, and it didn't seem like it was the plan for him to immediately make play. Like he just, they kind of needed him, and he just immediately made plays. Right, definitely something you take notice note of. And Kyle with Damian Harris, so you said. You don't know if the genie's going back in the bottle from Andre. I have personally witnessed like Bill Belichick stuff. No, he wouldn't. No, no, he wouldn't like do some weird stuff with his running backs. <laughs> so not Bill. Can we trust Ramondre as an RB one? It doesn't. We're gonna play him anyway, so it's kind of like immaterial what like the actual ranking is. But I do if, think if he'll Damian fall plays, down to like top fifteen from where yeah. I had him. Like probably top. I probably had him top eight. You know, I haven't yeah, checked yeah. yet. But I have him top eight right now for sure. He'd probably be in that RB sixteen to twenty range. So. 90% of people who roster him will still be playing him. Yeah. But uh but I just man for the Bears, it just seems like one of those weeks where Bill Belichick like this like pounds Justin Fields through like the crust of the earth, basically. <laughs> like it just seems like it's gonna be not good for him. Not a good situation for the young man. Um but, um I was about to make a horrible transition. It's a good situation for us because the podcast is over. We can go rest our voices. Uh, we can text Pat. See, we'll see if Pat sends us a selfie of his haircut. Zero um, chance he made this. He was so late. No, he was. But hey, man, it's New York. Um, there's no time in New York. Yeah, there's no time. Uh, being if you're ten minutes late, you're twenty minutes early. Don't right? they have a place called Times Square? Isn't it like the home of time or something? Yeah, never heard of it. Never heard. Crane. Of it. He must be going to like a barber shop or something like down in like the the basement level of his building or something. Yeah, I don't know where he's planning to go. Because yeah. <laughs> he left. Uh, at 434. <laughs> yeah. So we broke the fourth wall, maybe a little too much on that one. But yeah, his haircut was at 430 and he left at 434. We're praying, so, we're praying for his haircut. Sorry. Our thoughts are with Pat. Our thoughts are with you for surviving to the end here. Let's talk about the Chicago, Chicago Bears. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Check out all of our stuff on the site. Check out Kyle and Pat's uh live chat on Friday. What time is that, Kyle? Uh one o'clock Eastern. 
So check that out. Check out Denny. What's your late seat week article again? It's called funneling fantasy points. And I, I profile a, a run funnel and pass funnel defenses and how we can use that to our advantage in DFS roster building. Very valuable resource. Check out my rankings article, which I will be keeping updated and yeah, just keep it locked to the site. A lot of injury news this week. So for Pat Corain, for Kyle Dvorak, for Denny Carter, I'm Pat Darty. We'll catch you later. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.